Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jason. I'm Jason Pinder, and I'm on the leadership team here at The Forge. Um, I'm happy to share today's message with you. Today's message isn't going to be in the tradition that we've been going through this summer of the series of More Life Than You Think. I'm switching gears a little for today. Next week, though, we will have a video message from Steve that goes back to finish that series, and that'll wrap that up for the summer. But this week, I'm taking things in a bit of a different direction, and I'm going to look at the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. As you heard from the two different passages, I thought it was important this morning to hear the two versions, the NIV and the message, just to give us a clear picture of what Jesus was trying to say. I want to examine the context of these commandments in our world today. That's what I want to look at, how we live it out in our world today with the different challenges we face in doing so. When you look at the original Shema, where these passages came from, that can be found in Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, as well as Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 to 21, and Numbers 15, 37 to 41. All these parts were come together to make the Shema and were part of the Jewish prayer service in the morning and the evening. Um, what is the Shema? The Shema is a confession of faith. And it's, as I say, it's put together with the three verses at and, and other appropriate prayers to make up the evening and morning services. The word Shema itself comes from the opening line of the passages in Deuteronomy 4. Throughout the three passages that I've mentioned, you see professions of faith and a declaration of allegiance to the kingdom of God. The Shema serves as a symbolic representation and of total devotion to the Torah. The main message in the Shema is to keep God, God's love at the center of everything we do and to always have our mind towards him with a drive for obedience and not out of obligation. When I hear the out of obedience and not obligation, it actually reminded me of what I spoke about a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about Balaam, how to do things with the right heart for the right reasons and buy-in versus compliance. I just found that a very interesting connection point that I saw when I was reading this week. Throughout the Shema, there are five points that I want to address. Heart, soul, mind, strength, and then neighbor and self. The first point is the heart. I want to look at the heart and see what it means to love the Lord, your, the love your God, sorry, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. As I was preparing for today, I was trying to find scriptural references to truly highlight what was meant in this. The first one I found was in Psalm Chapter Psalm 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell you of, of tell you, I will tell you of all the, your wonderful deeds. This got me thinking. What does it truly look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart in our context today? I don't know if I truly have an answer for that, but 
I wanted to put it out there for everyone to think about as well. We can all admit that we love God, but at the same time, there are many other things that we love as well. Examples of this would be our spouse, our children, our family, our, friend, our close friends, and even our pets. There are so many things in our world today that we love, but God needs to be above all of them. Admittedly, though, there are times that we can all say, I confess I've done it before, that I don't love God, especially when we're going through a hard time. There can be those challenges in life where we go, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Instead of saying, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me in this challenge? And that's where we have to have our focus. Instead of turning away during those challenges, say, what are you trying to teach me? And thank you for always being with me. God is fully aware that we have all these other things in our life that we love. He made, God makes the demand. When God makes the demand in our lives, he does so already knowing he's going to fulfill it for us, that we don't have to do it by ourselves. He never gives us more than we can handle without him. Love isn't merely a feeling when it comes to God. God himself is love. Jesus showed the ultimate love for us by giving his life on the cross, sacrificing himself for us. There are many different things that make up our heart. Our emotions, our mind, our consciousness. What we feel, the decisions that we make, and whether we feel guilt or condemnation if we make the wrong decision, those all come from the heart. I do want to acknowledge, too, there are earthly things that can take our focus away from having a heart towards God. Selfish needs, desires, worldly pleasures, and even sin. These are all things that we can sometimes fall into the trap of that take and that take our attention away from having a heart towards God. The thing we have to remember is God is always with us. God knows what our heart truly is. God knows our heart is for him. That's why we have to focus on his grace, his virtues, how truly wonderful he is, and most importantly, his love for us. We cannot lose sight of the love he has for us. There's been times in my life where I've been challenged and I need God. And any of us at any time can do this anywhere we are, whether we're sitting in the office at work, driving in the car in traffic and stuck in traffic, going for a walk in nature and just seeing what God has provided us with. We can do so by calling out to him, praying silently, spending time in scripture, and most of all, if we have something that's heavy on our heart, confessing it to him, giving it to the Lord, not bearing it by ourselves. 
The next category I want to look at is soul. This is an interesting one. When you look at soul, I admit I had to take a little bit of time and think about this when I was preparing for today. My heart's easy, soul's a little different. When we see God loving us with all our soul, or when we think of loving God with all our soul, what does that mean? Our soul is compiled of three parts, our mind, our emotions, and our will. Even, even as a follower of Christ and a child of God, our soul was created by God so we can express him. But we also are free to have our own opinions, thoughts, feelings, and make our own decisions. God gives us that grace to make our own decisions, even if it's not in what he desires for us. And he also has the grace to forgive us when we make the wrong decision that's not in line with what he wants. And if it, even if it goes against him. When I was studying for today, I came across this uh, passage that I thought articulated that very well. And it's Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. I think that's an important point for us all to remember. That our true salvation comes from God. Our opinions can sometimes not be healthy for us. We can be critical of people. We can be critical of a situation we're in. That doesn't serve good to anyone. Um, we're, we can all be guilty of having bad thoughts. Thoughts that are not maybe in line with what God would want us to be thinking. Another big one that I've struggled with at times is feelings, negative feelings. For ourselves, feeling that we're not good enough for a situation, that we're not worthy, that we're not worthy of God's love or love of someone else. And as I mentioned, decisions. That's the big one. Decisions that we make that may not be in line with what God wants. But when we turn our hearts to God, we can start to see the transformation within ourselves and within our soul because that love that he has for us grows and it results of his, him being infused within us. And we start to live our life where his thoughts are our, become our thoughts, his feelings become our feelings, and his decisions become our decisions. We start making life choices based more on what he would want us to do. As God's working through this transformation within us, we see the transformation occur and begin to express God and are able to glorify him through our life and how we interact with others, and how we treat others. In our context today, this could be something as simple as helping a neighbor. If you see a neighbor trying to load something into their vehicle and they're struggling, going over and helping them. It could be taking the time as you're walking down the street, if, you see, if you're downtown and you see a homeless person sitting on the street, talking to them, 
simply engaging with them and making them feel like somebody cares. It could be taking the time to call a friend that you know is going through a tough time. Even if they've said they don't want to hear from anyone, trust me, they do. They appreciate that phone call. I know it's not how we always tend to think at times, but it would be so good if we could all live the way Jesus intended and loving our neighbor. In that, in that example, loving our neighbors, taking the time to think of someone else and put someone else first. But we're all busy, so it is a challenge. The next area I want to look at is mind. Our mind can be a tricky place. It's a critical part of who we are and what makes us us. And it directs so many aspects of our life. And it, it controls our, it influences our responses to different situations we encounter and how we respond. The scriptural reference I found when I was looking through scripture, trying to find a passage that spoke to mind was this one, and it really spoke to me because it's one we'd actually looked at not too long ago in Romans. Uh, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What, is will like to, what does will look like to all of you? Now that we've looked at the scriptural references, let's talk about what our mind controls. Our minds can be set on many things and go in many directions at one time. But God's desire is for our minds to be set on him above everything else that's going on. Always him. In our busy world today, this can be easier said than done. I admit it. You get busy during your week with your chores, your work, your family, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, you get you go through your day. Some, I go through my day sometimes. I go, oh, I haven't taken time to pray this morning. Um, there's so many distractions around us in our world today. But we always have to take that time for the Lord. Some of the distractions we have can be family commitments, as I mentioned, wants, gains, things we want to achieve in life, working more hours to get better things. And a real big one for a lot of people now, and I confess at times when I want to just disconnect and not talk to anyone, I go to it, social media. Pick up the phone and just lose myself on my phone, whether it's social media or games. It's a really good distraction. But again, it's a distraction. It takes my mind away from where it should be. I'm not saying these are bad things or that they should be avoided. What I'm saying is we need to fill our mind with God first and take our rest and our comfort in him and use him when we need that break. Because what happens is it creates a tension. There's a tension in our minds on 
how to live life and have what we want at the same time. And if you live a life of tension, you're not going to be settled. There's always going to be the need to want more. I desire to want more. But if we live a life based in Christ and the Holy Spirit, we will always find peace and contentment because he is our peace. The next area I want to explore is strength. To me, this was a probably the most fun one of all to look at because there's many different ways this could be looked at. Strength is one of those words that you can interpret it different ways. Physical strength, mental strength, spiritual strength. So when I was trying to choose a scripture reference for today, there was one obvious one that stood out to me. It's the story of David versus David and Goliath. David was a man after God's own heart. So when he came to battle against Goliath, God provided what strength was needed to defeat him. This story is found in 1 Samuel 17, and the verses I'm focusing on today are 47 to 50. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all you he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into the forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Reading this passage, there's so many examples of strength in here. I just thought it fit so well. Reading strength in the context of this passage, I see physical strength, emotional strength, and definitely spiritual strength because David trusted in the Lord. In our modern context today, though, strength is measured in varying metrics. Physical strength, if there's a task that needs done that involves heavy lifting, you usually go to your, you call a friend or family member that's the fittest and, you know, can help you out. Um, People sometimes think of being strong emotionally and that if you're not strong emotionally, you're weak. That's a term that really bothers me. Measuring it in terms of emotional strength isn't fair because no two people can carry the same amount emotionally. And just because you're having a tough time doesn't make you weak. God is there to support you during your tough times. But even if you're struggling, it doesn't make you weak. Another way people measure strength is skill sets. How skilled you are, how well you are at math, uh, reading, whatever the skill is. Computers, people measure where, they're, where they are in their career based on their skill sets. 
The big takeaway I want to leave on this section is we have to remember our skills don't come from us. God gives us those skills. And those skills are from him and they're a gift. The last section I want to look at is neighbor and self. As it says in the Shema, love your neighbor as yourself. The scriptural reference that, that resonated with me on this one while preparing was Roman, again, from Romans, and we talked about this recently, uh, 13.10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. For everyone here today, what does love, love thy neighbor look like to you? For me, looking at it in our context today, neighbor isn't physically the person that lives next door at your home. A neighbor can be the person in the grocery store that you encounter. A person that you're on the bus with riding home from work or going to school. Person at the coffee shop or restaurant that serves you and or that you encounter. A neighbor can even be the person in traffic that if you're rushing to get somewhere, you cut off. Or that cuts you off. They can be your neighbor. Or a neighbor can be the homeless person on the street that needs your help. These are all people in our context today that could be looked at as neighbors and that we need to show the same love and compassion that God shows us every day. The tension we face, though, is, and where we're struggling is when we're struggling and then we encounter someone else that's struggling, how do we support them? How do we have enough to support ourselves in our times of struggle and them? The answer is simple. God. God will provide for us and them. God will provide us to them to help them through their time, and he will help us through our struggles as well. The answer to all this is that we need to rest in God. There is going to be times in our lives where we will struggle to not only love our neighbors, but to love ourselves. But we always need to come back to the place where God taught us how to love and that we have to show others the love he has shown us. There can be situations where we don't love ourselves. If we've responded badly to a situation, life circumstances that we find ourselves in, not meeting the expectations we've put on ourselves or that others put on us and feeling we've let people down or we let ourselves down. And as I mentioned before, thinking we're not good enough or not worthy. These are all cases where we can be inclined not to love ourselves and as a result struggle to show others the same love. Because how are we supposed to love others if we don't love ourselves? I urge you, when you feel yourself going to this place of feeling unloved, remember, God loves you no matter what, and that at the same time, God loves your neighbor as well, and he will never leave you or your neighbor. I want to challenge everyone today to try and not be so hard on ourselves. 
give ourselves a break. I confess, I struggle with this. But we have to take, we have to be more gracious to ourselves. We have to show ourselves more love. I want to close with an idea. These all sound like simple things to do. It's not. It's not as simple as saying, just do what Jesus taught us and carry on. The reality is we're all human. We can and will make mistakes. God knows this. He shows us grace. He shows us compassion. No matter what, and no matter what the obstacle is, either one we create ourselves or that we encounter along the way, the challenge is to always start our day with a heart and mind turned towards God and know that he is always with us and loves us and will never leave us. I have three takeaways I want to leave you with today. Love the Lord, focus on God, and live out the greatest commandment. These are the key takeaways I found when I was preparing for today. And additionally, I want to leave you with one question. What is one action we can, as individuals, take today to live out the teachings Jesus taught us? I just want to close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you're always present in our lives. I pray for each person as they leave here today that they feel your love present in their lives. Lord, there can be, Lord, because each, you love each of us every single day, we're able to grow and love our neighbors. I pray for these things in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.